Offense is one of the greatest keys, or no, sorry, one of the greatest weapons that the enemy has against someone or that the enemy can put into you to have against someone. Well, the moment I take offense, and we explained it this morning, it is the beginning of the end. Listen to me. 90% of you are sitting here. If you come from, if those who come from another church, most of the time it is because you took offense. Okay? That's the reality. And uh, when I preached this morning, it was people with stiffs. I don't know if people have taken offense. I'm not sure if uh, people are. Uh, I know it's not an exciting message. It's not a hallelujah message. Um, but it's heart surgery. It is, uh, it is um, you know, for somebody to remove offense out of someone. Paul said to Timothy regarding his church, he said, listen, the moment that thing is in the hearts of the people, it's like cutting a fish or it's like putting a catheter in or it is like a medical surgery and procedure that has to be done for the poison of unforgiveness to come out of the person or offense. And offense starts with something small, but it is because we have not guarded our hearts and the enemy comes with a seed and with a thought into our heads and drops a thought of offense. Listen to me. If I have seen people being taken out, it is because of offense. If I've seen people not entering into the call of God for their lives, it is because of offense. They have taken offense and when they wake up or their eyes open or as the Bible says, that God gives them, grants them repentance. And I shared it this morning. Then all of a sudden they come to the realization I have taken offense and I missed, it's 20 years later. And they will have this talk. They'll say, you know, I used to be in church and I was so on fire. I was in the youth of that church. Well, what happened? Are you guys with me? You can say, no, but I had life and we have necessities and needs. I had to find a job. No, 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 something happened. I believe there's a place. Yes, you can have business and you can have a job and you can have a professional work. But there's a place where the call of God comes on you. It fires you. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a professional or you run business, but the call of God drives you. The purpose of God drives you. What the devil does to remove that is by bringing a seed of offense. He drops it in your heart. Many youths that have started when they I got saved, I mean, there is uh, David. I mean, we cannot even count on our one hand. We are still maybe even serving the Lord this day out of hundreds. Never mind who is in the call of God. Are you guys with me? So even as youth, this thing comes in and it is a trap. The Bible calls it a snare of the devil. And it's baits and traps somebody in the church. A trap is a trap that goes around you or it traps you and you need somebody else to set you free. Are you guys with me? When I take offense, I allow the devil into my heart. So when you have to deal with somebody that have taken offense, it's like literally, I'm not speaking about laying hands and casting out a devil. You have to get deep rooted and deal with where Satan entered into them. Close that door. Knowing that the Bible says that 
the grace of God, we fall short of the grace of God when we have taken offence and bitterness have come into us. But how do I get grace? I humble myself. So when I live a life of humility, I continually am humble. I don't think I'm a know-it-all. You know, somebody that has taken offence, what offence does? It puts a filter over your eyes and it makes you think you are right and everybody else is wrong. I know it's not a hallelujah message, but I hope it's sinking in to those who are not, uh, who are uh, uh, looking away or not looking at me. The familiarity breeds contempt. Are you guys with me? So, I never, I don't want, why do I attack familiarity? Familiarity and disagreement is the first stage of offense. So when people enter into a stage of familiarity, and it's very easy to enter into a stage of familiarity with your local pastor, with your local shepherd. Are you guys with me? Because why? You see him every Sunday. So it's like, ah, oh, it's Leon de Prie again. We go to Cape Town, it's revival because they don't know us. They don't see us there. Guess what? Centurion, ah, oh, it's Leon de Prie. So guess what? The gift of God cannot be tapped onto. Actually, what the Bible says is dust your feet and move on where somebody accepts you, where they receive you. Are you guys with me? I never want the prophetic or things to be grieved because of familiarity. When somebody receives familiarity, it is the first stage of offense. So when I feel familiarity in the church, now I don't feel it tonight, but we addressed it, I think, a few weeks ago. When I feel, I realize, but wait, there's offense here. Sometimes the Lord, I would preach and the Lord would highlight a face to me. Yeah, there, 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 there. I can tell you, if I go by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, because when familiarity enters, it is like you become familiar, you can no longer hear what the person is saying. Like Judas couldn't hear the warning that Jesus gave him because he became too close. When, you, when you're too close to someone, you see, if I have this book and I look at it here, I cannot read it. So I am too close. When I'm too close to an anointed person or a gift of God or a leader or a minister, I'm like this. I can no longer appreciate the value. So I have to pull away to begin to read and appreciate the value that is on there. Are you guys with me? So, when you are too close to this, so what happened to Judas? He became too close to the anointing. It's not a problem to be too close. It's a problem to allow familiarity to come in. So then he became familiar and he became deaf to the voice of Jesus. And Jesus warned him. He said, the next one that puts his hand into this bowl will betray me. Do it and do it quickly. So the stages of offense. So we do our best to help somebody that is an offense. Because I know their calling is about to be taken. You think I joke. Ask someone when they're 60, when they're 70, and they miss the call of God for their lives. Time goes like this. Are you guys with me? Now there is a redeeming of time. 
God can redeem time, but we are still in the natural. You have one life to live. You know, don't take offense and God can use you when you're 20, when you're 15 years old. South Africa hasn't seen revival in that regard yet. There's countries where 12 year olds, 13 year olds will preach, will, will, will multiply cell groups like it's going out of fashion. Here we have 50 year olds. Oh, I don't know if I can speak in front of someone. How about the Spirit of God comes on you and you become anointed? And the anointing rests on you because nothing is impossible. But you see, South Africa has too much religion. So I put a thing of, look at our Christmas tree. And I get 600 comments. People saying they're leaving our ministry, how this and that, obviously not in the church, I hope. Um, because there's Christmas trees all over here and we'll have more. Year, one year, one there. Okay, because some people are like, finally, His true colors is shown. He's a false prophet, he's a pagan worshiper. I'm leaving, I'm unfollowing. I never even knew who you were, number one. Number two, I don't want religious people following me because religion put Christ on the cross. Religion put Christ on the cross. Not sinners, not prostitutes, not those who had a lot of sin, they embraced Him. They washed His feet with perfume. While the pharisaical spirits and the religious system would judge them. Offense, so the church goes into offense and the Spirit of the Lord can no longer rest on them. Grace cannot lift, rest on them. The only way, the only reason you're sitting here tonight and or the only reason you can come Sunday after Sunday is because the grace of God pulls you. Listen to me. The Bible says, Jesus said, no man can come to me unless I draw him. You cannot even in your mind say, I wanna begin to pray right now without the Spirit of God beginning to draw you. So when you have a hunger in you, understand it is not by your own will. It is by the grace of God that He still has grace over your life. That there's an anointing and there's a purpose. It can be lost like this and people can stop being drawn towards Him. Are you guys with me? Have you seen? And the Bible says that God, the Bible says that they're no longer coming to their senses. Put me on 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 23. 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. And I don't want to be long tonight, but I want this thing to drop with you. I don't want our people to be offended. I don't want you to be taken by offense. And I'm going to finish the stages tonight. And I'm going to give you one key on overcoming, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for deliverance. Because those who have gone into a stage of offense, needs to repent. And then that demon that has come in, because yes, demons do come in through offense. And I'll show it to you in Scripture. The Bible says Satan entered Judas's heart. Are you guys with me? First, he told Judas, the Bible says first, he, Satan put it in Judas's heart to betray him. And then at a later stage, guess what? Satan entered his heart. Offense is greater than any sin. You can have somebody 
that can go and mess around or a young teenager that goes and mess around, get drunk, it's easier to work with them and get them forgiven and get them cleaned and delivered than a Christian that has taken offense. Because the Bible says it is easier to win over a city than to win over an offended brother. The moment somebody's offended, they can no longer see you for who you are. They exaggerate a minor problem, a small thing, or something that's none of their business. They exaggerate that. And then they get to a stage by stage eight or seven, which we'll get tonight, where they begin to have a political thing and they begin to draw people towards themselves and begin to talk negatively to them. By that stage, we have to cut them out. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because they will defile the church. Somebody sinning doesn't defile the church. They defile their own body. But somebody in offense and gossip defiles the church, affects the church. So God has grace in terms of salvation. But He doesn't, God's anger is still displayed in the new covenant towards people who intervened and stopped the purposes of God. And Ananias and Sophania just lie about their giving and death strikes them. Are you guys with me? Uh, 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 Herod trying to stop uh, the purpose of God and the church. And an angel of the Lord, this is New Testament, the angel of the Lord comes and strikes him down and he falls backward, breaks his neck and worms eat him up. In the old covenant, when the angel of death came and killed all, was it those who were under two years old, I think, am I right? Those, oh, when the angel of the, it was an angel of the Lord, which was Jesus Christ Himself, the angel of death. So we think Jesus as the sweet person. No, 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 He can get angry when something interferes with His bride. Are you guys with me? It's got nothing to do with salvation or heaven. You'll go to heaven, you'll go saved. But you're going to go there with no favour, no blessings, wasted a life, missing rewards in heaven. That's why the Bible says that, listen, the only thing that Satan can bring to you to remove you out of the purpose of God is offence. It's unforgiveness. So put on 2 Timothy 2 verse 23. Listen to this. But avoid foolish, so with me foolish, and ignorant disputes, talkings, conversations, and void foolish conversations, knowing that they cause and generate strife. And a servant of the Lord, so with me, a servant of the Lord, I hope and trust you are a servant of the Lord, must not quarrel, but be gentle. Maybe, meaning don't be an old woman talking about nonsense, gossiping about this. Do you know what happens? When somebody takes offense, they lose their countenance of light. So it's very easy for a preacher to see who has taken offense. Let's say, let's say Gerard has taken offense. Let's say he's taken offense. And I can see his eye becomes evil. We call it the evil eye. So where he was excited a few months ago, now you don't shout hallelujah anymore. I'm serious. Watch offense. Now this is not for everybody that sits in the back. But now he sits in the front. The next week he's sitting there. 
The week after he's sitting there, what happens? Because it's not nice here in front anymore. Because in your heart you have offense and you actually don't like, but you're such a people pleaser, not him now. You have to much just come here or maybe the Spirit of God still have grace on you. But now an evil eye, so now when I preach, his eye changes towards me. Now it's like, just looking, you know. Everybody's jumping up, hallelujah, and he's just sitting. And there's, what happened? Offense. Now, he begins to talk to others. He begins to share his disagreements. You know, did you see Leon? Uh, uh, I don't sense the anointing like I used to, you know. Did you, did you feel when Apostle Neville came? It was so anointed. And then, you know, Prophet Leon takes the service. Well, it's not even Prophet anymore, it's just Leon now, you know. So, Leon takes the service. And, uh, did you feel the presence of God wasn't so strong? And now you're sharing with somebody else, that person is a weaker Christian. And they like, they feel a little bit convicted and they'll be like, you actually, now a thought is planted into them. You've just caused a younger believer to stumble. The Bible says that's better for you to put a stone around your neck, throw yourself into a river and kill yourself. Are you guys with me? That's what the Bible says. I'm just telling you the Bible. So now you talk and now you have like one, now you have like three, now you have like four people around you. Now Leon comes in after the service. I'm greeting some people. I know it's very rare, but I do. Okay. And, uh, and I'm walking and first of all, I see Gerard is looking at me with an eye and he's like this, you know, he's standing there far away now. A few weeks later, all of a sudden, there's a few people, but now all of them are just like looking, glaring at me. <laughs> what has entered? Oh, this is the devil. That thing will destroy your calling like this. Imagine I took offense 10 years ago when my own spiritual father destroyed me. Come on, it's out there in the public. Imagine I took offense when every day, the man who raised me in ministry would go on live stream, mad, screaming at me. Imagine I took offense. Or I had to go into my room and I had to say, God, I forgive him. And don't let hardness of heart come in me. I don't want to lose your presence. And I could not say one thing. Because David dared not touch Saul. Even though Saul tried to kill David, David says he's still the anointed of the Lord. Cut a little, we cut a little bit of the mantle, but we didn't. It's a joke, okay? David cut a little bit of the mantle and then he repented. But he said, I will not touch spiritual authority. And he allowed his heart not to be offended. Imagine I got offended seven or eight years ago. There'll be nothing. There'll be no encounter Cape Town. There'll be no encounter Centurion. There'll be no encounter Krugersdorp. There'll be no future encounter Durban. There'll be no project that we're busy with. We already dropped 18 million rand on an asset. Just now, going now towards the next step of the project, which will be done sooner than you think. Trust me. You might think, oh, God isn't doing anything. 
Now imagine, listen, seven years, the church is seven years old. Seven years goes like this when you take offense. Because offense freezes time. I'm going to say it again. Offense freezes time. Does it make sense? Come on. How many of you have been offended? You know, it freezes time. When you open your eyes and God grants you repentance, you realize, I wasted two years, three years. And before you know it, seven years is gone. People will tell me, when they open their eyes, they are 60 years old. It feels like life is just going so fast by. Because... And when you are offended, seven years is nothing. Look what God did in seven years. Tell me what church, yeah, there is, obviously there is, but what is the percentage of churches that God blesses with the progress that we've had? Oh my gosh. And you can say God's hand isn't on it. Through all the bad news and the bad publicity and all the media houses that's after us, and I'm turning every, I'm turning all of them down. come and record everything in here and take you as witnesses or victims or whatever. And that's still happening. They're phoning us week after week after week after week. I have no desire to be taken by the media. Trust me. And those who will threaten us, we just put our lawyers on them. We're not, you know, how bad is the church to sue this? Okay, but they're allowed to. No, no, please don't come with your Christian nonsense. Um, it's time that the church that the church grows a, a, a spine and knows what to do. So, so we're going towards the next project, which is going to be amazing. But guess what? Those who get offended miss out on the blessing of God. So they might walk with the church for three years, four years. The moment they're offended, they put back or time freezes for them. They go to other churches and it's not the same because they left in a bad way. And unless that pastor knows how to do heart surgery, because another brother has to take you out of offense. Are you guys with me? You cannot, listen, God doesn't lift you out of offense. I can show you scripture after scripture. And we'll end off with it tonight. I'll explain to you in the scripture. God doesn't take you out of offense. Another brother has to come. Pray for you minister to you, remove you out of the trap of offense, bring deliverance and set you free. And God uses the body. And unless this horizontal relationship is right, my relationship with God cannot be right. Meaning, and if I have unforgiveness against somebody, I cannot have a relationship or fellowship with God. I am not in right standing with Him. That's why the Bible says, unless if you do not forgive those who have hurt you. How can your heavenly Father forgive you? It's not speaking of forgiveness of salvation. It's speaking of forgiveness of fellowship. Are you guys with me? I know there's a doctrine going around and where people say, you know, forgiveness keeps you out of heaven. No, no, no. Nothing keeps you out of heaven except the fact that if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, your faith is in Him, heaven is your home. But what about if I have unforgiveness? Well, listen, 99% of you here do have unforgiveness against someone. So all of you are going to hell now? If you want to interpret the word that way. It doesn't remove you from heaven. It breaks your fellowship with God. 
So you go through life, no favor, no blessings, or things begins to happen. The presence of God doesn't rest on you. And many people haven't even encountered the full grace and unction and presence on their lives because they are constantly in a place of hurting and offense. So they've never experienced how it feels to have the grace of God on them. When I mean the grace, there's an unction on you. It feels like a day that you're walking in a cloud. I'm speaking about a reality. You think it's like I speak about something that's not real. What religion? Where have you gone wrong? Come on now. Where have you lost your faith? Who has stolen your faith? Or who has quenched your faith? There is a path, says Job. A road that you can walk where no lion has trodden where no fowl of the air has come. A place that is safe where you can walk. It is called the secret place. That when you are there, the Yod, the hand of God, the secret counsel of God. In fact, Job says the friendship of God is on your house, rests on your house like this. Meaning that when you're in your house, all you do is you feel the presence and the glory. And even when people get into your vicinity, there's angels that is present. You can prophesy over them. You can minister to them. You can lay hands on them. You can heal them. Why? There's nothing blocking the pipes for the Spirit of God to flow through you. Offense blocks the pipes for the presence and the Spirit of God to flow through you. Are you guys with me? Have your seats, have your seats. You know, I used Roche as an example the other day. Some people get so tired by standing by the door for, for five days, five weeks. Yeah, where's Sean? Is Sean here somewhere or is he outside? Is he somewhere? Yeah, there he is. I mean, conferences, he will stand there. I forget about him, okay? So when we have conferences, we are there in the back room. It's like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. He's outside. Doesn't matter how cold it is. And then I go outside, I'm like, oh, I forgot you're, you're here. But what is happening? God is shaping his character. Now people are concerned, but is Leon, why is Leon not noticing? I notice, trust me. I've done it all, trust me. I've done it all. I've been through it. I don't feel sorry for someone because I know God is shaping and forming them. How oh, about I cleaned the toilets for two years? C carry on. Just because you're still thinking about it tells me you're not ready yet. You must become dead, dead completely. Then God begins to promote you. When you wash the toilet and you don't even feel pain anymore or that you're doing something, then you'll be ready for promotion. Are you guys with me? I was speaking about Rishay. I asked him how much he drives. He says from 20, for three years. I said, no, it's five years you're driving us, I'm sure. It's 2018 or 2019. We don't even know how it happened. He just happened to drive us. So he had a Bentley. It's awesome, but I would have wanted a Bentley. Meaning, but it's okay. God gives me somebody to drive who has a Bentley. But, it, but think, of, think of it. I mean, he doesn't have a Bentley now anymore. Uh, so I don't want to expose him and put him on the spot. Um, but he had a Bentley those days. Isn't it amazing? Just think of... No, no, you can get offended. Just relax and go and get religion out of your heart, even those online all those who are miserable because they are 
they miss the call of God for their life. So the only thing they can attack is Leon de Priya. Okay, so because they saw what they could have had once day. So think of it like this. 2018, church is barely going. 2018, 29, we're just starting. The only person in our contact that has a nice car, God sends to drive me around. I'm not saying I can't be driven in a normal car. So don't deal with your heart now. I'm just saying, what is the, it's a great coincidence, isn't it? It's awesome coincidence. I mean, it's not a secret you had a Bentley. Okay, so you obviously sold it, now you've got a Porsche and so on. But, but God made sure that, um, God made sure that you have the best. But now think, now listen to this. So it's five years. 90% of the time, I don't talk to him when we drive because I'm an introvert and I'm more introverted before a service or after a service. So I don't talk much because my mind is going or my spirit is going and I'm just trying to think of things and I'm trying to, trying to understand what God is wanting to do. So I don't talk. Sometimes I don't say hello, sometimes just come, I just give him my Bible and I just walk to the car. Five years. And some people give up after a few months, not even serving, just sitting in the church. And then we wonder why we are not blessed. You'll see the providential hand of God upon your life when you choose not to take offense, but go a step further and say, I want to get myself into the service of the Lord. And I'll show you a verse for that now. And then, you know, I was thinking, I was watching, we were eating at a conference or something, we were all at a table. And I see he takes his plate and, uh, and he sits in a corner and he sits somewhere and eats. And I'm thinking, but why does he not sit by the table and eat? And then the Lord said to me, just leave, just, just leave it. Because he has wisdom to keep distance. Not that you have to keep distance in any way. But then people doesn't know, and I will never share it, what's going on in his personal life in terms of the blessing that is there. I'll never share it. And he'll just sit in the corner and eat. And then somebody takes offense because, you know, uh, we, 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 we don't greet them or they're sitting in a church and, oh, this church isn't using me. Get used. Get, get. And then when we use you, you say, we, this church just use me. You pray for years for God to use you. And then a church use you. And then you take offense. Oh, they just used me. God doesn't use you. God will abuse you. Listen to me. Oh, God will abuse you. What happened to Joseph? Are you guys with me? So let the offense go because offense will stop you from receiving from God and it will stop you from giving God out. In the right time, maybe he drives me around for 10 years and then suddenly something happens to him. I mean, in a good way. Maybe he drives you around for the rest of his life. It doesn't matter. You know, when people don't die to that place, God can never use them because God can only use a dead person. 
somebody who is dead to their flesh, dead to their own little issues, then He can use you. So seventy the stages. Let's get into this. So what was the first stage this morning? Seventy disagreement. So disagreement and familiarity is the first stage to offense. When I disagree with how they are doing something. Judas disagreed with how Jesus handled the finances, the church finances. Imagine this. Jesus is sitting. Watch this. Um, Jesus is sitting. And in fact, the Bible says He would lounge. Jesus did everything to break the Mosaic law. Are you guys with me? Everything. So somebody said to me, when I put up, a, I just wrote a thing on Facebook. I said, I'm buying a big Christmas tree this, this, this month. Would Jesus say something like that? I mean, dear God. I said, Jesus would say, yeah, I said, no, you're right. He wouldn't say that. He would say, you are a pervert, a fool, a whitewashed tomb, a son of the devil, a snake, a serpent. That's what the Bible says He would call you. So what Jesus would do, He would come in the house and He would lounge. He would break the law because it was customary not to lounge, to sit up decently. Are you guys with me? So He would lounge like this with His disciples. The Bible says they would lounge down and they would not wash their hands and just begin to eat, which was against the law in those days, the Mosaic law. And they would all get offended. They say, if He is a prophet, He would have known the law of Moses to wash your hands first and da 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 but He on purpose broke the law to see what was in their hearts. Because sinners wouldn't judge Him there. It was only the religious that would judge Him. So you know, uh, Leon is doing this. He said, uh, no, 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 you are religious. Get it out so that God can move you on. Otherwise, you're going to be hindered with the call of God. Now He's sitting. Now listen to this. Jesus is sitting. A high-class prostitute comes to Him. High-class the Bible says, takes a yearly wages. How much is that? What do we say? Three million a year, maybe? Minimum, rands. Don't change your, um, your profession. Um, okay. Comes, she takes that amount in cologne and perfume and throws it on Jesus' feet and He sits and He receives it. What would we think? If somebody comes with three million rands, I would stop them also, don't worry. But if somebody would come with three million rands of clothing, just clothing, I'm using an example, or let's say watches, okay, to make it more realistic. And say, and say, prophet there, this is for you. While the church might need money, am I saying that we're gonna take it? No, I'm dealing with the condition of the heart. Jesus sat and never stopped her. Judas stopped her. And there, Satan entered his heart. Are you guys with me? Judas said, Jesus, we could have used that money to feed the poor. He said, the poor you will always have with you. But me, you will not. So understand honor. A lot of people, some people leave the church. Trust me, they come back. And these are their words. We couldn't find a church. Yes, they're great, they're anointed. But we couldn't find a church with the prophetic edge or the revelation. And we knew we had to come back. I'm not saying we are the only one. Listen to me. 
You don't know what you have until you've lost it. Am I saying I'm special? No. Am I saying the gift of God in me is special? Trust me. The gift of God can do a lot for you if you're not offended. That is in me. I can take you by the hand and I can prophesy to you the next 10 years of your life to such accuracy and I can prophesy you into your destiny if you know how to honor. The problem is many are familiar because guess what? I have to be a pastor as well. I'm here every week. So they become used to. Are you guys with me? We go to Cape Town, almost a thousand people packed out. People driving four hours just to touch you. And they receive miracles like this. Out of a crowd of thousands, I'll be pulled to some who has, been, who, has been, who has been driving three, four hours just to get there. Trusting God for one thing. You know, I was given testimony. I can't share. It's a public figure. I can't share what it is. They'll share later on what it is. I prophesied to them something about a child. And it came to pass. A year on the date. And many will know my prophecies will happen a year to the day. Go watch. I promise you there'll be at least minimum five, even to ten more in our church here. That'll say a year to the day. What you prophesied a year ago on the exact same day, you prophesied it and then it happened. Like Lloyd was saying to me, he said, the day I visited you with the watchers to give me as a gift, that day when I said the angel stood next to me and I don't know why the angel was next to me. That day, the same day a year later, he's starting the services in Durban, the same day. Are you guys with me? So the prophetic gift of my life usually have a year, exact year to the day. So I got a phone call by somebody that I prophesied regarding a child and so on. And to, they said, Leon, the day you prophesied it, exactly a year later, we found out one, two, three. But if somebody knows how to honor, the gift can do a lot for you. But somebody that doesn't know how to honor, are you missing out? God will close my eyes regarding you. But those who honor, God will open my eyes. I'll just see. And I will see far. I'll see this will happen. That will happen. This will happen. And if they take that word and they honor it, to the degree they honor it is the degree that they will enter into it. I have seen where this church will be many years ago. I have seen the buildings that will stand many years ago. I walked in it many years ago. I picked up Pastor Chris how many years ago and I told him there will be a, we'll have a church in Centurion. I drew it out many years ago on a paper. I saw Facebook reminded me of a gift he gave me. I think he, I don't know if he long, he knew me, but he bought me this diesel watch. I mean, it's like four grand, okay? Do you know how much four grand was for us in those days? Maybe you're saying it's still a lot. Tap into the blessing. Learn how to honor the gift so that God can shift you to a higher level. And that watch, I remember, 4,000 rand only. 4,000 rand. It's nothing. But I must be careful because for some it is a lot but you can go into stages and dimensions. Now, 
20, 30,000 will come into my hand. It'll go out the next day to giving to somebody else like this. I have 40,000 at my house. God is saying to me within one day, give it to this prophet here. Phone that one, give it there. Call this one to your house, give it to them there. And I do it. Our children have seen it. Our family has seen it. Money that comes into my hands just goes out. It's not become an idol. So when God doesn't trust me with a lot of things, He knows those things don't own me. I own it. Are you guys with me? Never let things own you. You own things. How do you not enter your blessing? Please, I'm just going off Revelation. We're going to minister to you tonight. How do I enter into blessing? I must celebrate when somebody else is blessed. Maybe I've been waiting my whole life for a Mercedes. And here somebody else has just given a Mercedes. Don't you think I've had it? I, I had ministers. I mean, they're not as close as anointed as me. Okay. I'm joking. Okay. And they are given houses. They are given cars. And I'm like, God, I've never been given a car. I've never been given a house. But I have to celebrate them. Are you guys with me? And the moment I celebrate it, I tap into it. And I can enter into it. The moment you can celebrate somebody else's blessing, you qualify to enter into it. Offense will stop you from celebrating the blessing of someone else. Don't let offense come in. Let that, I see some of your faces here. I can pull you out right now and embarrass you. If you weren't my church, I would have done it. I promise you I would have. Before the living God, I would have. You think I don't, you think I fear man? Oh. I would cause devils out of the pastors who invite me to their church in front of their own church. And then there's big bikers who you think they can hit me, can't do anything to me. I'll make you stand, I'll tell you. Why are you sleeping with this? Where were we? And I was in, I was in the church that I got brought up in and one, one guy, I make a youth stand up. I don't know if you were there. I make a youth stand up. The Lord is saying to me, he's in sin with a girl. So I see the girl. As I make the guy stand up, the girl starts manifesting. Under the chair, climbing in front of the whole church. So I say, you see, what you used to know, that was also my home church, so I had to be sensitive. But I'm really not, I, I, I do not fear I'll make some, because I'd rather let somebody set free. But this is our sheep. We have to walk carefully. But if I do see offense, I will confront somebody one-on-one. -on -one, or we'll do our best to help them, because I know it is a destiny killer. It is a destiny killer. I have only allowed offense once to enter my heart. And I had to repent of it immediately, only once. And if I didn't repent there, I would have nothing today, nothing. I wouldn't be married, I wouldn't have children, I wouldn't have this church. Offense will kill you. So maybe it has taken grip of your heart, but let it go today. Let God redeem the years and begin to say, I wanna serve in the house of God. I want to be offense-free. And you need the presence of God to be offense-free. Are you guys with me? Why do we make somebody serve in the house? So that you can be offense-free, so that you can go through the tests. The thing is those who are not serving are passive. 
parts so they are fault finding. They can find fault here. They can gossip like an old woman there. Come on now. I'm not calling it old women, so don't be offended. The Bible calls it old wives' fables. Are you guys with me? So where were we now? Um, so Jesus sits and this and a, and a sinner, the prostitute just pours out perfume, millions of rands of perfume on him. A whole year of wages. And Judas get this thing in his heart. Satan entered his heart right there. Because Judas thought he was at a place which he was not. Are you guys with me? And then, so that's the first stage. So we're through the first stage. There are 10. I battled to get past five, but we won't go through all of the, we'll just, we'll just say goodbye. What's was a disagreement failure? What's the second one? Huh? Unmet expectation. The stage of unmet expectations. We had an expectation that it was never met. And when it was never met, you took offense. When you come to somebody, even in a ministry, you don't have expectations. Because your expectations, I will destroy. Are you guys with me? I am not a pastor, I'm a prophet. I will work somebody, work them, work them, work them. Until, because I know what it takes for the hand of God to come on someone. The tests they must go through for the hand of God to come on them. You might wait 15 years around me, but the day it happens and you pass the test, I promise you, you will thank God. You'll say, Leon, I thank you for every rebuke. I thank you for everything. I thank you for every hiding. I thank you for every discipline. I thank you for, you will thank me. But while you're in the process, you will try to hate me. You must just deal with that offense. Are you guys with me? So that's the second stage. What's the third stage? Hurt. So the third stage is the stage of hurt. Anyone that is hurt is offended. So if you are hurt by me, offenses come in. Anyone that is hurt by their parents, by offenses taken. And it is beginning as the, the stages of being fostered. What is the fourth stage? Passivity, spiritual stagnation, and isolation. That's the fourth stage. So once you are hurt, guess what? You become passive. Are you guys with me? You isolate yourself. You, you are hurt now. Now you guess what? You don't want to serve anymore in the church. I'm just going to sit in the back and just glare. I'm just going to glare. I'm just going to be in and out, in and out. No, you are hurt. God can't use a hurt. A wounded person can't fight in battle. We take you out. And if you're too much trouble, we, we, we kill you. You become too much of a weight. Okay? In a war, because a hurting person, a wounded animal attacks its own. A wounded animal will attack anyone that tries to help it. So when somebody is mature and they're in a war and we are in a spiritual battle, they friendly fire, they start shooting and killing the people around them. I don't need somebody to start attacking me when we are fighting a battle and we're supposed to be together. So now you become passive. You're no longer serving. Listen to me. The worst place to be is not to serve in the church. Get yourself busy. Jeremiah somewhere, somewhere. It says that, uh, I'm not going to get to the verse right now. Maybe if they can remember, they can put it on. But it says, cursed is he 
who is not involved in the Lord's work. The cursed is he who does the work of the... Now put in the NIV for me, NLT. Read it for me. Say curse. Read, read it. There we go. Read it again. So, get involved with the Lord's work. If you want a blessing upon your house, upon your family, it is when you do the Lord's work, when you shed blood. What I mean by shedding blood, putting yourself in the warfare enlisting yourself in the battle that God has called us, the spiritual battle. And as you enlist yourself into it, you have the ability now, you're not cursed. There's a blessing that comes upon you. Those who are hurt becomes passive. Come on, you were hurt by other churches. What happened? You became passive. You pulled yourself out of the work of God. What is that when people are offended? Have you said, what do they usually say to us? We get the emails. It starts like this. I feel I just want to step back from serving in any capacity for a season. No, you're a liar. Just say you are offended. Simple. You got offended. I feel I, I, I just want to take a break with my husband and my wife. We, we, just, want to, we just want to take some time off. We don't, so we don't feel led right now to serve. We sugarcoat words so much. The Bible says the heart is, I know it's not the nicest message. Okay, before you go on holiday. I'm still here next week though, but uh, it's, the heart is evil, wicked and deceitful above all. Above all. Uh, you know, we just feel we want to take a break from serving just for a season. No, you are offended. The next stage, I'm waiting for your email to say you feel you, you need to leave the church. I know how this thing works. I know the devil has taken you captive by the snare of the devil because you allowed offense to come in. Whether it is with me or one of the pastors or one of the leaders, you have taken offense to come in. And now you want to leave because it's comfortable at another church. That's not how the call of God works. I know this is actually a message for leaders, but it is okay. It's okay. It'll be the best message, trust me, for your life if you can understand these keys. Every passive person that is isolated, stagnated, and that doesn't do anything becomes critical. So the moment I pass, I'm passive. The next stage is the critical stage. It's when I begin to criticize. So now I sit and guess what? I find fault with everything. Huh, this doesn't look nice, you know, they don't clean the church anymore. Uh, look at this, this is the preaching is going backward. Looks at this, this, the blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, uh, look at the expensive clothing Leon is wearing. You know, I had a preacher coming to me, saying to me, you know, Leon, people don't like you too much because you wear, you know, you, because they, I say, why don't they like me? They say, you know, because you wear this expensive clothing. I said, and listen to the person. I'm like, mm -hmm. I said to them, let's, do an analysis. Let's look at my clothing. Um, at that time it was something different, but now it's Zara, but let's say it's Boss, Levi jeans. And at that time I said, okay, maybe, maybe at some point Gucci shoes, maybe. I said, let's look at what you wear. 
Uh, you wear this, you wear that, you wear this, you wear that. Uh, am I saying it's wrong? No, no, no. But are you so deceived that you're saying, you know, preachers don't want to hang out with me because of what I wear, yet you wear 10 times more expensive than me, you hypocrite. I told her, I promise you, I said the person face to face like that. The little games we play of Christian, but we have no problem if our boss, if somebody that has business in the world, it's only preachers, you know, TV shows, we have them, TV phoning us, radio phoning us, newspapers phoning us. They don't care if you have hundreds of millions, if you are a businessman. But if you are a preacher and you have money, you stole it, that's what they think. It is the evil in the hearts of people. And then you don't even have money, then it just might look like you have money. And then they already come at you. Are you guys with me? Listen to me, when God promotes you, your friends become your enemies. When God promotes you, your brothers and sisters that are on your level will become your enemy. Be ready for it. The moment God promotes you, they turn on you. Joseph's brothers turn on. So what is the fifth stage? You begin to find, you criticize everything. You are fault finding because you are passive. You are not engaged in the work of the Lord. Are you guys with me? The sixth stage, let's get to the sixth stage. So the political stage. This is now very dangerous. And I'm just going to paraphrase some scriptures. Okay? I'm not going to uh, read them per se. Uh, the political stage is very dangerous because the moment you begin to criticize, you move into a political stage because now your criticism has to reach the ears of others. So now you begin to gather a crowd around you. Whether it is outside in the parking lot, whether it is in the corner of a church, whether it is at your home, but you have to talk to somebody. And the talk usually starts off like this. Let me give you an example. Are you guys with me? The talk doesn't say Leon is evil. The talk says, you know, I'm very concerned for Leon de Priya. It's not even prophet anymore, it's Leon de Priya. I'm very concerned for Leon. You know, I think we have to pray for him. Come on, I know, I know this thing. I'm very concerned, you know. The way he treats his staff. You know, the way he talks to the, to the poor lady that does the scriptures, you know. The, I'm very concerned, you know. I think, I think he's hurt. No, you child, relax. You are out of your place. The devil has taken you captive. And if you don't repent and get through it, you will be doing his will in the church. You'll be doing the will of the devil in the church. That takes somebody to take you out. So that is the political stage. So now you must gather people around you. Are you guys with me? You must gather people around you so they can hear your disagreements. So disagreements require the audience of others to hear them out. So this is usually where people, they will have to. They will have to get to a place of, we see this with Absalom. Absalom would sit outside of the city while his father David is running the city. And he would begin to draw the people close to him. And he would say, you know, I will hear your case. The king doesn't have time to hear your case. There's something wrong with the king at this moment. He's not doing well. His counsel to you will not be good, but come to me. I will help you. I will give you counsel. I will help you out of this thing. And the Bible says he would kiss their hands as they are at the gates. And he would draw the hearts. And the Bible says he would win the hearts of the people over to him. 
come on, I thought this is encounter. I thought you, are you not going to get it living the word? Oh, yes. I love all of them. They win, Absalom win the hearts of the people over. And then he calls sedition from his father. It's the political stage. The next stage. Once you become political and you're beginning to talk to others, deception comes in. So with you, deception. Because now you actually think you are somebody when you are not. Listen to me. This is the trick of the devil. I'm not embarrassing or shaming you. Are you guys with me? It's a serious subject that has to be surgically um, surgery, surgically preached so that, you can, so that it can get into your heart you can understand the seriousness of this thing. So now deception comes in. The moment deception comes in, you begin to believe a reality that's not a reality. You are right and everybody else is wrong. Are you guys with me? Put on 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Almost finished, I'm going to pray for you. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Listen to this. Do not be deceived. So they do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. If you hear anybody saying, you know, we think there's something wrong with you, and you must say, shut up your devil. Because what you're doing, something is wrong with encounter. Shush your devil. You're trying to steal my destiny. Rob me from my calling. Rob me from my destiny. Mm. Let's go to Matthew 24 verse 10. Listen to this. Matthew 24 verse 10. Offense comes first, then deception creeps in. Look at this. And then many, say with him, many, will be offended. Many will be offended. Will betray one another. When there's offense, why do I take it so serious? Betrayal is next. Don't think you can be offended and betrayal. Why do you, th- listen, offense head must be cut off. Jesus said to Judas, do it and do it quickly. Are you guys with me? If you don't cut the head of offense, it will betray you and it will cause a lot of chaos. So it says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another. And listen to this, will hate one another. Next verse. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Deception. So deception can only come in once offended. It says many will be offended. Then deception comes. Are you guys with me? Stage seven is the stage of deception. It is the stage where you justify everything. You have an excuse and a defense for everything. You, everyone is wrong and you are the only one that is right. You are deceived. So offense brings a filter and it lies to you. It is there to betray you and embarrass you because it makes a show about you. It puts on pride where everybody can see it except you. Hey guys, these speakers sound so weak on this stage. I don't know if the guys are setting it in right or not. It's weak, okay? My voice is already gone. So um, it's uh, literally like, it's as if it's like not even set in. So they must please fix that or where there's the mic. Because I'm battling to preach and get my voice through. <clears throat> Say with me, many will be deceived. We're almost, we're almost, we're almost, uh, we're almost, uh, almost there. Almost finished. 
Once deception is there, the next stage sets in, stage eight. So if we open rebellion. Now, this is when somebody begins to attack you openly. Stage eight. Which means it's already past deception. Are you guys with me? That seed has grown so much. So now it is like you call them in and they just begin to attack you. They are in open rebellion. They in others, they begin to start or they go out, they start things, mobs against you or they start Facebook pages against you. They're in open rebellion against you. It's like somebody that left our church. I called them in to our office. Um, I begged them. This is how it works. People will send an email and say, you know, my time is over. I leave. And I'm like, please come that I can see you, that I can just, I'm going to try to control you. Just want to see what's wrong and then pray for you and release you. They come into my office. They say to me, they first didn't want to come. This is somebody who's been with us for five years. They say, I am offended and I'm leaving because I am offended. Well, okay, you just admit everything. So I asked them one thing. I said, please do not phone people when you're out. Meaning, don't contact people for coffee meetings and draw them to your new church or wherever you're going. Oh, prophet, I honor you so much, you know. I'll shush. That flattery devil tells me you hate me. Be real. Say, you don't like me. Don't say you honor me so much you will never. A week later, you did it. They did it begin to phone people, having secret meetings. Are you guys with me? Then open rebellion comes. So now we'll begin to openly say, oh, they were so, they were so destroyed and hurt. No, no, no. You were treated very well. You were just once rebuked because you laid hands wrong on somebody. And then you had too much pride thinking you are the anointed one like Lucifer spirit. So we'll see you in 10 years time. That's the reality. Don't get into that. Don't let the trap of offense take you out. Are you guys with me? Don't let the trap of offense. When the trap of offense comes, it is there to come off to your destiny. You must know when the thing comes, it is there because it wants to remove and delay you and make you wake up at the age of 50 and realize I missed my whole calling. I missed everything. You know, I sometimes think, what would it be like if we had the ability to see other versions of our life, if we have made different decisions. And I honestly do believe, I, I personally honestly believe I made the best decisions I did. I really do believe. This is not arrogance. This is not pride. I really do believe it. I was trying to analyze. I was going through my life from 20. If I did this decision, what would have happened? If I did this decision, what would I have? If I did this decision, what would I... Now you are in the sovereign will of God. You are in the predestined will of God for your life. But I was still thinking this. And I was, man, if I didn't make that decision there, I would, I would have nothing today. And then there, if I didn't make that decision like that, I would have this instead of this. And I realized I, whatever I did was the best. And I realized how God's grace has been with me. Listen to me. You cannot do this thing without His grace. You cannot make the right decisions without His grace. How do you get His grace? Come on, I preach on this wall. How do I get grace from God? Let's see who knows. Humility. So the humility, church. Please, I don't want to preach to religious folks that just words are just going over. How do I get grace from God? I stay humble. Grace comes. 
And grace allows me to make the right decisions so that one day I can look back and I can say, I had the best life. I had the most blessed life. God has been with me every step of the way. He's favoured me. Like King David would say, the lines has fallen in the right places for me. What King David was saying, he said, I don't know what it is about God, but He favoured me in everything. It's like everything just happened by chance and fell in the right places for me. That is when the grace of God is on you. How does grace come? Humility. Come on, are you guys with me? Have your seats, have your seats. So rebellion becomes open. I'm not going to get into the Scriptures, but we can see with Moses and Korah and the group of Korah and how, 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 how rebellion became open and how the earth swallowed them up and killed them all and the Lord killed them all because rebellion became open. But the next stage, stage nine, we're not by 10 yet. Stage nine. So with you, the demonization. It's the demonization stage. It's when the devil truly enters now. It's the stage of demonization. Are you guys with me? By this stage, you are demonized. By this stage, you would need deliverance, actual deliverance. I, I promise you. You would have to be one-on-one. -on -one. Deliverance will have to be done because the devil has entered. It's called the demonization stage. And I don't have to go to the Scriptures, but this is where the Bible says that Judas, the, that, that the devil entered Judas's heart. Let me read it for you for the sake of, for the, for just for the sake. John 13 verse 21. John 13 verse 21. Listen to this. John 13 verse 21. When Jesus had said these things, He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom He spoke. They were looking at they didn't know to whom He was speaking about. Now there was learning on, G so, so with the sound guys, just try to, for next Sunday, so it's flat up here. So there's no throw, there's no depth, there's no strength, okay. So now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of His disciples whom Jesus loved. Isn't it amazing? The Bible specifically, this is John writing about himself. Saying there was a disciple lying on Jesus' bosom. And that disciple Jesus loved so much and he was speaking about himself. Okay. Peter therefore mentioned to him to ask him if it was whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he says, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Say with me, Satan entered him. Amen. Then Jesus said to him, what you will do, Judas, do it quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need to fit. These guys had no spiritual perception. Look at the stupid things they would ask. Have you ever, you know, when you disciple people, when you actually disciple people, I know not many people disciple people, but when you actually disciple people, in the beginning stage, you should all be discipling people so that you can get into the service of the Lord. Are you guys with me? A lot of people have a lot of things to say, criticize this, fault finding this about the church, this, that, this, and that. Um, who have you discipled? 
Who have you gotten saved, discipled, trained up, raised up, and they are serving God because you are serving God? Are you guys with me? I'm sitting, I'm sitting with Pastor Stefan's leaders. We at Cape Town. I'm sitting with his leaders. We all his leaders. I think I don't know how many there was. Let's say 60 or so. So we're sitting in a house. So I'm ministering to them, and it's nice because there's no familiarity. So I'm ministering to them, prophesying. I was going to be, begin to prophesy, begin to teach. I teach for four hours. Are you guys with me? Just sitting in the lounge teaching. I don't know. There's people. There's somebody there who had a birthday party for their son or daughter's birthday that day. A whole birthday party. So the meeting started, let's say, at nine. Their birthday party was at one. One o'clock, I'm still teaching. Right there, they sit and they cancel the party. Now you want to know why you don't receive. Mm, that's been silent there. They're just idolizing you. Keep on saying that. I don't know. I hear this afterwards. I hear this afterwards. They cancel the party right there. Guess what? The first person I'm sitting, I'm prophesying. So six, the first person I'm prophesying over is that person. And I give them a prophecy. And I go and I, and I can prophesy over every single person, just like this going deep. Why? Honor. Why? I'm not always there. Come on, church. Don't get into familiarity. Don't let the gift of, don't let there be a prophet in your midst and he's unable to prophesy. Don't let that happen. Please, I'm begging you. Don't let there be a prophet in centurion and he's unable to prophesy. Keep the honor. I'm not forcing honor. Honor is earned. It's not demanded. But I'm giving you a key on how to really receive are you guys with me? Then I'm prophesying and I'm going from one to the other and I'm speaking about details. I'm saying to one person, I said, I see a house in Somerset West. They're just keeping silent. I said, where you stay now? They said, no, you're somewhere in Durbanville or something. I said, I see a property in Somerset West and the Lord is saying, you will be in Somerset West. I said, I'm walking down a street. I could even see the name of the street. I begin to see a letter. I see like A and this. And I'm walking, I see, I see a property, a house. They just keep silent. I thought I'm missing, I'm going on to the next one. They come off to us. They say, yesterday, we opened up a property 24, looked at a property in Somerset West. Didn't speak to anybody about it because we want to move there. The gift of prophecy can bring secrets out. It can make just that words can bring a breakthrough for them in that move where there might not have been a breakthrough. That's why I'm saying keep honor in your midst. Don't let me be prophesying in America or in this country and they're embracing us there, but in my own hometown, they're not embracing the gifts. Are you guys with me? Come on, if I preach like this on a Sunday morning, half will leave the church like Jesus. You can have your says, don't think Jesus never, uh, don't think Jesus never, um, never lost people. The Bible says, okay, he didn't lose anyone the Father gave him. Not one of them. That means Judas wasn't even lost. That's another subject to get into. Are you guys with me? Um, 
But he was preaching to 5,000 people and he said, if you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, and everybody left him. They got offended. So Jesus had people leaving him. I will have people leaving me. It's not about who leaves me. It's about who stays. And those who stays, trust me, when we enter into the next phase, which is the eighth year, which is the year of new beginnings. It will happen for your life as well. What am I doing? I'm speaking by faith, but it will happen. And it will happen for your life as well. Don't sin and criticize and fault find. No, they're not going to do it right. No, no, no. God will shock you, embarrass you, and we will get it right. Are you guys with me? And we're not building for today. We're building for generations to come. We're building for generations to come. So, so I'm sitting with this. I've seen. So I'm sitting with this. So I'm prophesying over. We're finishing like two, we started nine and we finished two half past two, a, a p.m. And I just could just sit and just preach. And I went into deep things, hit them, rebuked them, went because I have to deal with the leadership. And then I prophesied. And it could get so specific because of honor. And I could. I didn't even do over everyone. I could have gone over everyone. Honor can bring the greatest of God out of someone. That's why honor should not only be from the congregation to here, it should be towards one another. Because honor brings out the best out of people. When you can learn how to honor your brother and your sister, when you can learn how to honor one another and have the code and the culture of honor in your midst, trust me, the blessing of God will be poured out upon this church. The Bible, will say, the Bible says the commanded blessing, I preached you last week Sunday, the commanded blessing will come upon you. Are you guys with me? So listen, what stage are we? The ninth stage, eighth stage? The eighth stage, open rebellion. The ninth stage, demonization stage. So Satan entered Judas. Are you guys with me? The 10th stage and the last stage, we're going to pray for you. Certainly the destruction stage. If you don't repent, if you allow offense to go through all these stages, destruction will come. And don't think the devil destroys you. Let me read some scriptures here for you. Let's go Matthew 27 verse 3. Matthew 27 verse 3. Look what happened to Judas. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver. So he repented to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. You did it. Then, listen to this. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed and hanged himself. Are you guys with me? He killed himself. Offense will bring destruction. Listen to how he killed himself. Acts 1 verse 16. Put it on. Acts 1 verse 16. Listen to how he killed himself. Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Verse 18. Now this man purchased a field with wages of iniquity. 
Now I'm speaking about Judas. Listen to this. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of his body and all his intestines gushed out of him. So what happened, he was hanged himself. Are you guys with me? And he fell onto a rock, burst open his intestines and it burst out. Now even the more crazy thing is this. The Bible even predicted it. So even him killing himself and his intestines coming out, he had to do it to fulfill Scripture. And it, listen to this, verse 19. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language, listen to this, Akal Dama, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms. Let his dwelling be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Listen to this. When you are offended, your dwelling will become desolate. No one will live in it. Destruction will come and another will take your office. Your calling will be taken. Yes, the callings of God is without repentance. Yes. But after you, after your death, another one will take it. Which means your calling will go to your children and you will never enter into it. Are you guys with me? You're not liking this. I understand. It is okay. Relax. Are you guys with me? In, in, in Moses and Korah, it says, when they rebelled and they were offended, the earth swallowed them up. And as the earth swallowed them up, God killed them. When offense reaches the 10th stage, you open up destruction against your life. The crazy thing is this, it doesn't really hit you. It hits your children, it hits your family. I've seen people's kids go mental. You think I'm joking. Do you know how many people we have counseled whose lives is a mess? And then you would hear their parents, they would say, but their parents left Ray McCauley's church because somebody gave Ray McCauley a Porsche, you know? And then they left and they took offense. What happens everywhere, most of the times when a curse was pronounced in Scripture, it was pronounced on the children. Are you guys with me? When Noah pronounced a curse on his two sons, what is, who were they? Ham and Japheth. Is that right? Sham, oh, sorry. Ham? Sham and Japheth. Leon doesn't know his Bible. Absolutely. I'm just trying to think. Anyway, he cursed his two sons because he had a daughter as well. He cursed his two sons. Uh, sorry, he cursed his one son and he blessed another. But the one he cursed, he said, your children will serve the other, your brother's children. Are you guys with me? Manasseh, Ephraim, same. Curse and blessing going to the children, going to the family. So what happens? I cause destruction for legacy and generations, all because of offense. Are you guys with me? Let's go to, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter number 5, verse 23. How do I deal with offense now? So I'm going to give you one verse, and I'm going to pray for you. One verse we're going to pray for you. There is offense in the hearts of people. Maybe you got offended this year over what I did. Maybe 
you are at stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, stage, I'm baby at stage 10, I hope not. But how do I get rid of offense? Maybe it's not even me. Maybe it is somebody else. Maybe it is your wife. Maybe it is your husband. Maybe it is your boss. Maybe it is a family member. But unforgiveness is in your heart. That thing will foster and fester and it will cause to go through these stages. Are you guys with me? You won't lose your salvation, but you will lose your fellowship with God. Listen to me. I want people to get to a place where they can serve in the ministry, serve in the house of the Lord. And the grace and the blessing can cover them like a cloud. I preached it to you last week Sunday. Until you come to the place of the commanded blessing, the irreversible blessing, where you become the blessing of the Lord. That is where the cloud is on you. I was speaking about it earlier and you can walk and you can feel His presence everywhere. You're full of joy everywhere. You hear His voice every, listen here. This is not, a li do not listen to the preachers that tell you this is not possible. That is just a honeymoon phase. No. There's a place you can dwell. It is the secret place of the Most High. The shadow of the Almighty. In that place is protection. In that place His angels lift you up. In that place no disease will come close to your house. No pestilence shall touch you. No poverty shall touch you. No enemy will come close to you. Nothing will come close to you. In that place angels will lift you up. In that place you'll see a thousand fall by your one side, ten thousand by your other side, but it will not touch you. It is a place of protection. It is the grace of God. It was on Job's life. It was on Job's house until it left his house and he lost everything. His children, are you guys with me? His children died, his family died. He got sick, he lost everything. Why? That counsel lifted, that grace lifted. But when he made it through the test, he was given back double. He had double his riches, double his children, double everything he had. It is the secret place. But how do I get there? Keep standing, keep standing. Five, Matthew 5, 23. Listen to this. How do I get there? Let me see. Must I read it from here? Go one verse back. Let me just see. La rosca avrekeneske telebenam. Yeah, this is nice. Let's go one verse more back. One verse back. It's getting interesting. Let me just see. Okay, let's start reading from here. You see, I don't prepare really when I preach. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Next verse. You have heard that it was said. So what was he saying when your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees? He basically says the Pharisees will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means, okay? You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment, meaning it shall be like he murders his brother. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell 
fire. Now please, it doesn't mean fool or raka, that's still a different context. Because even Paul called the people fools and morons in the New Testament. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. Say with me, first, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. He says, listen, when you wanna come and worship God and here at the altar you remember, I have this thing against my brother or my brother has this thing against me. I have offended somebody there or I have this offense against somebody. He says, don't even lift your hands in worship because God cannot and will not hear your prayers. Are you guys with me? God cannot hear your prayers. Your prayers will go against a brass heaven, a closed heaven. He says, leave there. Go fix your relationship with somebody. And then you come back and worship God. So God cannot receive your worship. He cannot receive your prayer. That is why when offense enters your heart, the first thing that leaves is His presence. I'm going to say it again. When offense enters your heart, the first thing that leaves is His manifest presence. Yes, His inside presence is there, but His manifest presence. I remember when I was offended. I told you there was one moment when I was offended. Only one time. I'm a perfect person. Uh, one time. But I was offended. But I was anointed still. And I went for three months being offended. And it was a righteous offense, meaning... I had a good purpose to be offended. I can't say to you publicly what, but I had a good purpose to be offended. Everything in me wants to say why, but it is fine. Uh, but I was offended and it was wrong what the person did against me. And they were my spiritual father, but it was wrong. And it was really wrong what they did. And I became offended, but that offense came so subtly into my heart. It wasn't like, oh, I, I, no, no, no. I didn't even know it came in. Are you guys with me? The way I discovered, I remember we did a youth camp and uh, people were, Pastor Stephen was still there. I think he was there. Presence of God was all over the youth camp. Glory was there. People were vomiting, getting delivered. I go, I remember my wife, we were married already. I went back to the room. She was already sleeping. She still needed deliverance. I remember she's already sleeping. I just get into the bed. I just, the, the glory was so heavy on me. I'll just get into the bed because those days I fasted a lot, trust me. She get into the bed. In her sleep, she starts crying and demon starts leaving her. In her sleep. And I'm just lying in the bed. So the glory was, the manifest presence was around me. But in me, I remember that night, I felt nothing. So the ministry of the, the anointing of the ministry was on me. For the people. Are you guys with me? But then I realized inside I'm empty. And I didn't know what it was there. It felt like I was going to hell. And then from there, I went home and it was like a period of three months. And I had Saturday morning prayer meetings and I woke up in the morning, I had to lead the prayer meeting, but I woke up early, four o'clock. I said, I need to see God's face because something is wrong. 
I'm not feeling His presence in me. But I'm also not feeling His manifest presence even when I seek Him. Ministry is a different story because there's an anointing for your ministry. Then there's anointing for your personal life. I said something is wrong and I woke up the morning early, I remember, to go pray in my room. And I heard His voice. And His voice said to me, I want you to read this book or do this and the whole thing. And before the prayer meeting, I remember I read the whole thing. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you took offence. And the sin of offence that you have taken, done or that you have, is greater than the sin done against you. I said, but how can that be? That person did really did me wrong. And I'm hurt by that. He said, you have taken offence. You have unforgiveness. They don't even remember what they've done. The sin that you have done, the sin of offence and the sin of unforgiveness is greater than the sin done against you. Offence will exaggerate things. It might be something small, but oh, the filters of offence will lie to you. And I promise you, I'm going to pray for people here tonight and the other offended won't even come out. Others will come out. But those that are offended won't come out. I prophesied already to you. I can speak it to your heart and you're not even hearing me. I'm doing it by the grace of God, hoping that that devil will be dealt with. Because it's a devil, it's a demonization stage. And when I had that offense, I had to go to the prayer meeting, lead the prayer meeting. And then I had to go to the person, not saying to them, yeah, you did this against me and blah, blah, blah. Or I say to them, self-righteous, you know, I forgave you for what you, no, no, no. I went to them not even mentioning what they did. I said, I took offense and I need you to forgive me. Not even mentioning, why? Because if I would mention it, there'd be some form of justice. That means God cannot take vengeance for me. So I had to zip my lip, ask them to forgive me because I've taken offense. And to this day, I've never mentioned to them why. And I said to them, I took offense and I became bitter towards you. And I need you. It was so deep rooted in my heart. I said, I need you. The moment I said, I need you to forgive me, it was like a hand went into my spirit and pulled that seed out. Instantly, I could feel His presence back in my life. Instantly, I could feel His manifest presence on me. I could feel His peace in my heart. Instantly. This is how dangerous offense is. Don't let it remove you, church. Don't let it remove your calling. Don't let it delay you. Don't let it stagnate you. 10 stages to offense. Even if you're in stage one, I don't care. Don't let offense come in. If there's a prayer that you have to pray, is to say, God, protect me from unforgiveness and offense. Why? This prophet here will offend you till you don't know whether you're coming or going. I will offend everything about you. I will test you. I will provoke you if you enlist yourself into the service. Are you guys with me? When I say enlist yourself, people who answer the call of God, who answer the purpose of God, they allow themselves to enter the process, to be processed, to be birthed, to be tested. So don't cry like a baby when you are tested. I thought you are soldiers of Jesus Christ. 
I thought you are in the military and listed into the army. Now you want to cry about this thing, cry about that thing. How dare they say that they did this against me. And we think we already forgot it. And whether it was right or wrong what we did, God is using it for you to test you. Because Jesus says, you take heed to yourselves when offenses come. And those are the tests. Imagine how offended Isaac must have been when Abram pulled out a knife ready to sacrifice his own son, to plunge that knife into his own son on the mountain. When Isaac would see the knife in his father's hand, getting ready to stab it into him. And the, and the angel of the Lord had to stop Abram from doing it. And Isaac did not take offense. It was not the test of Abraham. It was the test of Isaac. And many people fail the test of Isaac. They think Abraham was tested on that mountain. No, 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 no. Isaac was tested on that mountain. Are you guys with me? Because the seed and the promise was in Isaac. The generations were in Isaac. Mm. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Raso, raise your hands to the Lord. Raise your hands to the Lord. La rosca avreke noske dele bena mambruska taya tenama. Le rosca areke dele bena uskataya. Lesh aleha noskaya. Father, I pray right now. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit, may the presence of God, even right now in the service, begin to bring a conviction, a confession. To remove the seed of offense out of their hearts. Any single one of us that has offense, any single one of us that has unforgiveness, if it has reached the stage of demonization, may that devil leave our lives today. If it has reached the stage of deception, may our eyes be open and may deception be removed. Let no offense come to us. I pray for your manifest presence. I pray for the tangible presence of the anointing, the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for your glory to enter into this place. Let your glory fill the temple. Let your glory saturate the temple. Let your glory fill this temple over and over again. I pray for a wave of your spirits. I pray for the breath of God to touch the hearts. May your conviction come. May you whisper into the ears. Like the Bible says, when we bring our gift to the altar and we remember, I pray that you will remind those of us here if there's anything we have against one another, that we will forgive and repent and make right not only here, but to the actual person. That repentance, that you will grant each one of us repentance. That we know that many times it's not deliverance we need, but to forgive one another. Open your eyes. I want to carry on reading with this verse. I want to carry on reading with this verse. I want to show you something. Put on Matthew chapter number 5, verse 24, 5, wherever we were. As you're standing. Leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother. Now please, when we take up an offering, don't be so offended by this message. Remember, the Bible says, leave your gift at the altar. So bring your gift to the altar. Okay? It doesn't say don't give. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and come and offer your gift. Now listen to this next verse. 
agree with your adversary quickly. This is one of the keys of, uh, on how to win a fight. Adver agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest your adversary, listen to this, deliver you to the judge. Now he's speaking spiritually. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. This is what we call the prison of offense. That is why some people's prison of offense is a sentence of five years. Others is a sentence of three years until they've paid the last penny. But there's a quicker way. I can repent. Jesus saying, go and make right. If you're not, you're going to carry out the sentence of the prison. Are you guys with me? There is one person here. That offense has been in you for very long. You're glaring at me with the eyes for very long. And I'm going to confront you. It's going to be in love. Just say to your neighbor, it's you. It's not me. No, it is one person. It is one person here. And that one person has been disgruntled for many years, but you are in deception. And I'm going to rebuke you so hard, but I'm going to rebuke the devil. Not now, not in front of everyone, so don't fear. When I see you spirit-led by the Spirit of God, and that devil is going to get a fright in you when I rebuke it. Because your eyes have been dark for many years, and you would glare at me. All I'm going to do is I'm just going to try to save you out of that pit the enemy has for you. So, when you see me coming to you, then you know that is the, that is the one. <laughs> Only one person. Well, there's obviously many here that has offense, but at different stages, but there's one person that I see that devil glaring at me for long, many years now. And you would talk to others. And it's going to come to an end because before you defile others, but that devil wants to take you out. Now it left and then it came back again. And it's like, you know what, the, what, what the, the deception stage do? It puts like a veil over your eyes. If I say, if I wasn't your pastor, I would have done it right now. Because I don't have to come back to the church then and deal with the issues. I just do it very quickly and leave. Um, but because I love you, I will do it in love. I'll follow Matthew 18, but I'm going to rebuke the devil. I'm not going to be like, you know, a lot of people want to pacify the devil. The demon is manifesting. They don't know it's a demon. They want to like hug the person. No, it's a devil. I was at a mega church recently. They didn't know how to cast out devils. So I'm standing there. Big church, biggest church in the country. We're standing there. Demons are manifesting. I see this person manifesting on the floor. And the ushers are just hugging, hugging, hugging. I'm saying to the one pastor next to me, he's also quite big in the country. I said to him, they don't know what to, what to do. He, or, I don't know, he doesn't know what to do, but they don't know what to do. I said, but I can't go and lay hands. It'll be out of order. Everything in me, I can just lay my hand and cast the devil out very quickly. I said, but they don't, I said, but so look at what I'm going to do. I said to the pastor, look at what I'm going to do. So I whispered into the usher's ear. I said, it's a demon of this. It's a Jezebel spirit that came in when this person was raped at this age. Uh, abused at this age, if you address Jezebel and if you address Lucifer and you cast it out, 
you will hear the demon scream and it'll come out. So the pompous usher, because they're now mega church, you know, who, who, who are we? Looks at me like, I'm gonna listen to you. I'm gonna keep hugging, 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 get tissues, tissues. So I stand up, I said to the pastor, they don't wanna listen. I said, but let's wait. So I'm waiting, I'm standing, I'm looking at the usher. They're hugging this demon, hugging this demon. Eventually they're seeing this person is still just manifesting after like five minutes. So they look at me. So they whisper, they, 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 they whisper into the ears, just the words that I said, like testing me, like, and they just must say what he's saying and see what up. So this is saying, as they said it, the demon screamed and came out. And then they listened to me. Never pacify a demon. So sometimes I can deal very hard with somebody it's because I deal with the spirit. Don't be offended. We love you as a person. But I deal with a spirit. And that spirit is there to kill you. Trust me, to destroy you. To bring offense, to deceive you and to put you in a prison of offense. And that spirit has to be discerned and rebuked. Are you guys with me? So, and pastors don't want to do it because they fear people. Oh, but let me rather say this. Pastors don't want to do it. I'm not a pastor, I'm a prophet. Pastors don't want to do it because they want to please people. So they are scared in offending people. No, no, no. I'll rather offend somebody and please God. But when I deal with something, I deal with the devil, not with a person. Are you guys with me? Because we see spiritually and we can see what the devil is doing. But before we get to this, it's not the greatest uh, thing for an offering message. Um, uh, it's not the greatest thing for an offering message. But uh, uh, I want to pray for you and we want to minister to you. And I want the power of forgiveness to come. I want the spirit of grace to come upon your life. As we preached last week, the spirit of grace that rests upon you. And the Spirit of grace that will come upon you will draw you to God. It will draw you closer to Him. But when I have unforgiveness, when I have offense, the Spirit of grace is not present. So what are the signs? You don't have a hunger for prayer anymore. Are you guys with me? What are the signs? You don't have a hunger for the Word anymore. You can't fellowship with light with anyone anymore. You have to, and we went through all the stages. So we want to pray for that and we want to break that thing. Whether it's two people or whether it's 50 people that comes out, it doesn't matter. We want to break. If you feel you felt like you identified with some of these stages that I, that I ministered on, from the disagreement stage all the way up to, or you feel that there's unforgiveness in your heart or offense, it doesn't matter towards who. I want to just pray for you. And as you're here in front, you know, I want you to just forgive, repent, forgive, and then purpose in your heart afterwards to go make right with that person, to ask them of forgiveness. To say, God, to, to, to say to them, not that I forgive you, but that forgive me for where I've taken hurts. I don't care where, what they have done. I don't care how bad the act was. I don't care how bad the act was. Are you guys with me? The sin of offense is greater than the act or the sin done against it. I don't care if you were abused when you were young. That abuse the devil used to abuse you so that he can put you in a prison of offense when you are older. Knowing that when you are in offense, you are trapped yourself and you cannot come out. Are you guys with me?